listeners. Welcome to the Positively Hungry Food and Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby, a registered dietitian and online nutrition coach. This podcast will help keep you informed on topics of food, fitness, health, and wellness in a super laid-back format. And my goal is to reduce fear and confusion and provide practical advice, empowering you to live a healthy and happy life. Let's dive in. So today I want to talk a little bit about nutrition and our immune health. And so boosting immune health is now a really, really popular trending topic these days, Um, probably due to the ongoing pandemic. But unfortunately, um, I've seen so much misinformation out there in regards to diet, nutrition, lifestyle, and supplement usage uh, specifically. So I'm really recording this in hopes of just providing some sound advice and four ways that you can support your immune health through diet and lifestyle. And by the way, um, when I use the word diet, it just means like your eating pattern or eating habits. It doesn't necessarily, I know there's kind of like this negative connotation um, around the word diet these days, which is understandable, but just so you know that what what I mean when I use the word. Um, but before we get to it, I just want to remind you that yes, I'm a registered and licensed dietitian, but I most likely am not your registered dietitian. So please don't take any of my advice here as a personalized plan. Um, and just always consult with your PCP or your primary care provider before trying to incorporate new changes, especially ones that... Um, have the potential to interact with medications that you're on or um, affect any conditions that you might have or might be at risk for. So just a little disclaimer there. And we know diet and nutrition status do in fact influence our immune health. We certainly know that. And specific nutrients are vital for proper immune function and in order to fight off infections like viral infections or bacterial infections. Um, Our immune function helps us ward off um, injury, helps us recover injury from injuries or um, even illnesses. So if someone was to be undernourished or uh, malnourished, you know, whether it's uh, in the severe sense or not, their immune response is likely going to be diminished, um, you know, to a certain degree, just depending on their nutrition status. So I think it's safe to say, you know, if you get sick often, or if you get injured often, like you work out, but you get injured often, um, it's, I challenge you to just evaluate your diet and lifestyle. Um, Even if you're generally healthy, and you just are trying to do what you can, you know, what's in your control to support your immune health. Um, I'm going to talk about these four specific things. So number one, are you eating enough protein? And it's not just are you eating enough, but it's are you eating enough on a consistent basis? Um, So I think a good rule of thumb, a good general rule of thumb is you want to aim for like 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. Um, So ideally, you want to spread it throughout the day. Versus like protein loading in the morning and then grazing all day. 
um, or like snacking um, all day or vice versa, like eating light in the morning, in the afternoon, and then eating a really heavy dinner in the evening. So, you know, check in with yourself, look back at the way you were eating yesterday, think about the way you're eating today. Um, and are you kind of protein loading at one meal and then just kind of grazing? Or are you trying to spread it out and be more consistent with it? And are you even getting enough at each meal? You know, so, but we know that protein is one macronutrient that's really, really important for immune function. Um, Number two, do you eat a variety of plant foods? And so plant foods can be, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. We know that they play an important role in immune function. Um, These plant foods are broken down and they feed our good gut bacteria. Um, And this helps to stimulate immune cell activity and therefore helps support a well-functioning immune system. So something that scientists and researchers have come to realize is our gut is critical to our immune health. It's pretty key, you know, so we need to feed it well. Um, And getting a wide variety of plant foods is one way to do that. So plant foods are also rich in polyphenols, and those are just, it's a fancy word for... um, basically micronutrients that are naturally present in plants. And a lot of these polyphenols have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant functions that help reduce your risk for chronic disease and infection and illness. And so generally speaking, the more variety of color in your um, plant foods, your fruits and vegetables, the more variety in nutrients that you'll be consuming and metabolizing. So... um, eat the rainbow, right? (laughs) But another thing, so something that you can kind of like walk away from this episode with is um, over the next week, like seven solid seven days, whether today is Sunday, today is Thursday, whatever, um, count how many different plant foods you're consuming in a given week. And I mean, it can be, you know, if you're eating a salad, um, every different type of plant food in there counts as a different plant food. So, you know, maybe you have carrots, maybe you have spinach, maybe you've got walnuts in there, um, different types of seeds. So count every single one and just see where you're at at the end of that seven day period. Um, I think, I can't remember the number. Um, I think it's upwards to like 40 to 50 different plant foods in per week would be considered a healthy variety of plant foods. So just kind of get a baseline idea of what you're eating in a given week and then work upwards from there because chances are you most likely are, are eating around 10 to 20, maybe 25 different plant foods. Um, just considering like this, the typical American Um, and the typical American type of diet and just what's available in like fast food restaurants and and other restaurants. So, um, yeah, I would challenge you to just kind of tally that up over the next week and then work from there. Um, point number three, do you eat a lot of ultra processed foods? 
And so maybe you've heard of the term ultra processed or highly processed. Um, they're ultra and highly processed are kind of interchangeable terms, but, um, I kind of want to backtrack and give you a better definition of what processed foods even are, because I know processed foods can be kind of like a, a gimmicky term, or maybe you see it trending because a lot of celebrities are like, oh, I cut out all processed foods, etc., etc. So I want you to know that processed food is not inherently bad. It's not inherently unhealthy for you. Um, processed food is just an umbrella term for food that is not in its natural state, you know. Um, so at its most basic level, processed foods are essentially made by like adding salts, oils, maybe adding sugars or other substances like um, flavors or colorings, whether artificial or not. Um, and also like changing the form of the food, right? So like getting um, apple slices from a whole apple or getting diced fruit in a fruit cup, you know, packed in water. That's a processed food technically. Um, even like ground turkey, ground beef, that's processed food. Um, and humans, you know, we've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years, like salting meat so it can last longer, um, dehydrating berries and things like that. Uh, some other examples include like canned fish, canned vegetables. I already talked about like fruit cups, um, and also bread, you know? So, the thing with processed food is it's like a spectrum of of this process, right? So some things are considered highly or ultra-processed versus others that are more minimally processed. And those are the ones that are likely to contain a bunch of added ingredients that are not so helpful, like added sugars, really high amounts of salt or sodium, uh, a lot of saturated fats and maybe artificial colors and preservatives um, those are likely to be found in those highly processed ultra processed packaged foods and so think of things like twinkies and donuts hot dogs um, deli meat even things like the plant-based um, patties like beyond beef patties or soy-based chicken nuggets those are all pretty highly processed foods you know and i'm not saying that your diet should not include these foods or never include these foods but for long-term health and long-term well-being it shouldn't make up the majority of your diet um and this is because a diet that is predominantly made of ultra processed foods they, it tends to lack nutrients that support a well-functioning immune system, you know, which is what I'm talking about today. So diets rich in ultra-processed foods tend to consist of more added sugar, um, more added sodium, added oils and preservatives and things, um, while containing lesser amounts of like polyphenols and naturally occurring antioxidants and leaner protein and unsaturated fats, like more of those heart-healthy fats. Um, so yeah, take a look at the types of processed foods you're eating um, and just try to get an idea of your overall um, eating pattern. 
right? Do you tend to eat more ultra processed foods or are you eating a mix? Uh, what does that mix look like? Is it half half? If it is half half, how can you be a little bit better, a little bit more intentional about your foods to get that ratio, you know, leaning more towards minimally processed foods? Um, so that's something for you to think about as well. Um, and then point number four is to supplement safely and intentionally. Now, I'm not saying supplements are key to cure or prevent illness or disease. In fact, I think it's super important to note right now that there is no single food or single dietary supplement that's known to prevent illness or disease. And if someone tells you otherwise, run the other way, unfollow their Instagram, whatever, and maybe report them if they're a practicing medical professional because that's just unethical. But supplementing to correct like a nutrient deficiency or to optimize your diet can really make an impact on your health, on your um, mood, on your stress levels, on your ability to metabolize foods well, um, on your performance if you're an athlete or a dancer or things like that. So in terms of immune, immune health, um, one popular nutrient is vitamin D. So I would highly suggest that you get your vitamin D checked if you haven't uh, recently. And recently in like the past six months, um, just because we're, or even the past year, you know, we haven't, most of us probably haven't been outside as much um, with the pandemic. And also it's uh, winter right now. So in the winter season, we tend to have less sun exposure and the sun helps our bodies naturally produce vitamin D. And vitamin D has a huge role in immune health. So, um, you know, studies show that a deficiency in this nutrient can increase your chances of getting sick. So the idea is that correcting that deficiency uh, and, and getting your level up to a more optimal level, um, that would counter the negative effect and therefore improve your chances of fighting off illnesses. So definitely get your vitamin D checked if you haven't. It's something you can um, just ask your PCP about and just get like a, a, a panel done. Just see, you know, where your level's at. Um, and that's something you could easily find over the counter. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily need a prescription for it. Um, another common nutrient I see people supplement with very often is vitamin C. And vitamin C is actually generally safe to take, like to supplement with, because it's a water-soluble vitamin, which means it's harder for our bodies to like experience adverse side effects from excessive intake of this nutrient um, because we're more likely to just pee it out, you know? Um, so stuff like airborne or emergency, they contain really high amounts of vitamin C. And there was actually a large review of over more than 10,000 people. And that review showed that taking vitamin C when already suffering from a cold or a flu or the flu, <laughs> Um, it reduced the duration of the symptoms that people were experiencing from the cold or flu infection. Um, however, it didn't appear to prevent cold or flu infection itself. So the third and final nutrient that I wanted to discuss today um, is zinc. And zinc is super important um, for immune health, namely, but also other things. So 
it helps our immune system obviously fight off bacteria, fight off invading viruses. It also is important for proper taste and smell function. Um, it helps us heal cuts and scrapes and wounds. Zinc also helps our bodies make genetic material that's present, you know, in all of our cells. So zinc is really important. Um, and it's found in a wide variety of foods, but supplementation can be helpful, especially if there's a deficiency. Um, and what we know about like over-the-counter zinc supplements is that, or just zinc products that contain this nutrient, um, is it's often labeled for like cold prevention or cold treatments like homeopathic natural cold remedies but one thing to note is that nasal sprays and gels that had zinc in it have been associated with the loss of smell um, and in some cases they were like long-term long-lasting permanent loss of smell so I think right now or just current reviews don't show the same safety concern in the use of oral products containing zinc but um, that's just something to keep in mind. I wouldn't use nasal sprays that have zinc. Um, I think it's also important to note that zinc deficiency is actually quite rare um, in the U.S. because most people tend to get enough zinc from the foods that they consume um, or even just in your multivitamin because most multivitamins have some amount of zinc in there, you know, on top of what you're also eating. So it's pretty rare. Um, but there are people who, you know, are at increased risk for zinc deficiency. Um, and because of where zinc is naturally found, uh, vegetarians and vegans can be at increased risk. Um, just because they don't eat meat and, and likely not poultry, which those are good sources of zinc. Um, also elderly, older adults are more at risk. Also young children, um, and alcoholics because the alcohol actually can, it, it interferes with the ability, like the bioavailability of zinc. And um, a lot of people who um, drink their calories, like through alcohol, tend to eat less food. Um, same with smoking tobacco, because tobacco can kind of suppress your appetite. And so, um, and and affect your immune system. So um, those are just some of the groups of people that are more likely than others to have zinc deficiency or just be at increased risk for zinc deficiency. And using large amounts of zinc, like in supplement form, um, could lead to zinc excess or zinc toxicity, which can lead to copper deficiency. And what that would look like is um, like numbness or weakness in the extremities, the arms and legs. And so my advice, um, just general advice, would be to avoid taking zinc for more than 14 days or two weeks. And um, make sure that if you are supplementing with it for longer than that, that there's a specific reason. Like you're not just taking it... Um, to take it or just because someone you know gave you this recommendation make sure that there's like a medical reason for it um like maybe you want to optimize your level or correct a deficiency but there really shouldn't be a need for you to take it for that long unless you have some sort of 
deficiency or, um, you know, you're at risk for becoming deficient. So regardless, um, just in terms of all supplement usage, I think it's important to make sure that it's been third-party tested. This is something that I have preached about for a long time, like as a dietitian, um, to my family, to my friends, patients, to on my social media accounts, like just make sure that the supplements you purchase are from trusted um, manufacturers and that they have been evaluated by trusted organizations like the USP, the NSF, or the Consumer Lab. Um, and you would just look for those product, uh, those labels on the actual product themselves. And what they do is help um, improve transparency for us as consumers so we can know that the products are made with quality, um, their ingredients are quote-unquote pure, and that they're safe. And that the dosage that's on the label is actually like what's in the bottle and in the capsule and the tablet, the powder, whatever it is. So look for those third-party um, like seals or stamps of approval from either the USP, the NSF International, or Consumer Lab. So to summarize today's episode about what you can do um, through diet and lifestyle to help support your immune health, I'm going to just go through the four points really quick. Um, Number one, make sure you're consuming enough protein and spread it throughout the day. A good general rule of thumb would be around about like 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal, um, ideally a few meals a day. Number two, eat more plant foods. So essentially the variety of color, so more variety in color means more variety in the nutrients that you're absorbing, which is good. Um, Number three, eat less ultra-processed foods because they tend to lack nutrient density, right? So um, shift towards more minimally processed foods. And I'm not saying that your diet can't or shouldn't include highly processed foods because that's really difficult for most of us and really unrealistic in today's like in modern living um but if you can shift to less of ultra processed and focus more on how you can get whole foods and minimally processed foods you'll be better off i promise you um number four supplement safely and intentionally don't just blindly take supplements for long periods of time Um, Make sure that there is intention behind it. Make sure that the product is chosen safely and it has some sort of third-party seal of approval uh, for product quality, safety, and purity. And then I'm going to throw in point number five and just keep it short, but um, really prioritize your sleep if and whenever possible. So If you don't have like a nightly routine to help you wind down, um, that's something that I would encourage as well, just because we know that sleep is is crucial, like good sleep is crucial for our immune health and just our general uh, well-being. So try to establish some sort of a nightly routine and and start small, you know, whether it's like um, turning your phone off or putting it in like sleep mode or do not disturb mode. Um, That's a big step for some of us. Um, Maybe it's choosing to read a book for 30 minutes instead of watching a Netflix show for 30 minutes. 
Um, small changes like that can really have a big impact on the quality of sleep and then the quality of our, our, our life overall. So I'll leave you with those. Um, but let me know if you have any questions and let me know what you thought. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe or that follow button if you haven't already. That way you don't miss when I upload new content. And speaking of content, I would love to connect with you on Instagram too. So you can find me there at positively.hungry. Until next time, y'all.